I, I want to go on tonight and talk about um, the Huguenots. We were looking at history. One of the things with history is you always learn lots out of history if you apply it. You can do one of two things with history. You can be dead boring, and some people have that capability, or you can apply it to life today and understand what happens. And one of the things that is so often misunderstood um, is how history teaches us what happened in the past and will happen in the future. Because history has a habit of repeating itself. And things go in cycles. And in the world, in the economy, and in things you'll find, things go in cycles. Different nations rise up, take power, and things go wrong, especially with that little boy. Um, and you get into problems. And if you don't never studied history, and church history especially, you miss out on so much that would help you in your life. One of the problems today is that people never think of the past. Uh, and they don't realize that the history that's gone on in the world and what we have today is built out of what was yesterday. So if you want to understand what you have today in society, you've got to know what brought it about. If you want to understand what affects the world today, you've got to understand what, what affected the world yesterday. And it's so important. And when you go to nations in Europe and you see what's going on, you don't always understand the basis of how they got to their state. And one of the people we looked at, who probably was the biggest tyrant in Europe ever, was Louis XIV. And if ever you study European history, you'll find Louis XIV was an animal. Thirty years he ruled, and when he died, he had relics from the Catholic Church stuck all over his body. Not that it brought him back to life, he was dead. And his, the woman he was married to didn't even bother to attend his funeral. Uh, he was a sick individual. But what he did is he plundered the whole of Europe and drove out the Protestants and drove out the true people of God from France and was responsible for a tremendous emigration of people who had true faith in God. And one of the reasons Great Britain became great was because of Louis XIV. He effectively started the Industrial Revolution in England because the Huguenots who were driven out from France ended up in England and brought all their skills to England. Another thing you might not realize is that medicine took a great leap forward because of the expulsion of the Huguenots from Paris. And uh, even today, we've got things in medicine, uh, any woman who goes into a hospital and ends up with a forcep delivery of a baby might not realize that the design of the forceps was one of the Huguenots designed them and started all that time ago. And women generally just died if they had a hard birth, whereas here was a Huguenot that came along. And medicine took a great leap forward. Christians contribute to society. And what you have to understand is a nation that throws out that which is the most contributory factor to society is a nation of fools. Christians are people who are inspired by God and their talents, abilities, and gifts can be greater used because they have peace with God, a certainty and knowledge, and they're not dropouts. One of the great things about true Christians is they know Christ's command, which is occupied till I come, which means work. 
There is no such thing as dropouts. Today, all over the world, young people are polluted with an idea that it's all right to drop out from a career, from working, in order to so-called go missionizing. It is not. It is anti-scriptural. It is wrong. And basically, it robs of young people the years in their life when they need to establish themselves. I'm a great believer in work. Christians should excel at everything. And the thing you need to excel at is if you're going to go out there and you're going to be anything in the world, you need to be excellent in your education, in your skills. And the Huguenots were such a people. And it's interesting when you start looking at what happened in France and you look at how the whole of the French culture is today and how the whole of the Italian lack of culture is today and how Spain is today and you look across South America where Columbus went and you see the devastation that Catholicism brought and the Dark Ages brought and you realize how people without God in reality and a real experience of God lack the fundamentals of life. Jesus Christ came to give us life, and life more abundant. And what we have is examples in France, and France went through a terrible, terrible time when all the intelligentsia were wiped out. Because what they wanted to do was wipe out the people who had the brains. And if you look through history... The people of God are the most creative people in society, always. The Jewish nation, if you look in the scriptures, was the most creative nation. It became powerful. One of the things that worried Pharaoh when the children of Israel were in Egypt was, hey, they multiply, they increase, they gain everything they do, they work hard. You go to Africa today, you go into a Muslim nation, the only people that work are the Christians. Muslims don't work. I've been there. I can tell you, I travel there twice a year. Why? Because basically their religion is a religion that's totally false and it's not based on the principles of God. They deny Christ as God, Christ as Savior. You go to South America and look at the Catholic nations and you'll see total poverty, abject poverty. Why? Because basically it doesn't instill within people a motive to succeed, a motive to excel. Jesus Christ puts within a man who's truly born again a desire to excel in all that he does. The Bible says, whatsoever your hand finds to do, you're to do it with all your might. There's something in a Christian that's different to anyone else. And the Huguenots, in Louis XIV's time, had one great asset. They were true Christians, they were full of the Holy Ghost, and they ran all the businesses. They ran all the good things. They ran the medical services. And the Catholics were the poor people. And suddenly, the king of France, who's a Catholic, says, hey, there's something wrong with this. Now, if we wipe out the Protestants, the Catholics will get rich. That doesn't work. That is exactly the same thing that Mao Zedong thought in China, if you kill off the professors and you kill off the intelligentsia, then the people will have equal rights. They don't. All that happened in China is everyone became as poor as everyone else. You didn't bring equality, you bought slavery. And I've been to China, I can tell you that's the way it is. And socialism in South America destroys society. Trying to get rid of God out of society is a foolish thing. 
Trying to get rid of the men of God out of society is a very foolish thing. But through history, you find there's men who rise up like Louis XIV, he thought, well, this religion, the Catholic religion and the Pope, and, I mean, the Pope was a horrible fellow in his day. As I said, the largest brothels were in the Vatican. And when you start reading the history, and you can get quite easily the history of the Catholic Church, sometimes there were two popes, sometimes they were fighting. Uh, when they packed up and they moved to Avignon, uh, they said that... Um, Avignon was the place where all the prostitutes gathered and 96 were housed in the Vatican. Uh, I mean, a terrible, evil religion. That's fact, historical fact. And what you have to understand is there's a reason for it. When religion comes in, it never deals with the human life, the human heart, the human individual. When Christianity comes in and a man has a meeting with Jesus Christ, it changes everything inside them. God intends us to have such a living experience that we are transformed inside. All our desires, all our wants, all our hopes, all our aspirations, all that we do is transformed. And we become people who change society not because we have a doctrine or a dogma, but we have a life. And life is the most important thing. And when you've got a life, and you really live in Christ, then everything in that life is to glorify God. But it means that whatever you find to do, you excel at it. And I just want to mention a few things, draw your attention to a few things that happen. The Huguenots had to flee because it was death to stay in France. And so they fled. And when they fled, they took some tremendous creations with them. Uh, and if I can pronounce their names, um, from 1753... Uh, I beg your pardon, 1653 to 5, there was a Sir Theodore uh, Touque de Merne, Mayerne, he's French, and why he can't just have an English name called Fred, I don't know. <laughs> but anyway, there he is. And he was the first person who really began to discern and take notes on illnesses and symptoms and begin to compile medical books on symptoms of illnesses. And he was the first person that ever realized that, hey, you can diagnose what's wrong with a person if you sit down and you make a note of their symptoms and you begin to build a picture of different diseases and how those diseases affect the body. And here he was... But he was driven out from France. And so he became, in the free world, which was a Christian world, he became a man who bought something. Now, what he was was inspired by God. He looked at the body. I found, um, just recently, someone told me, I went to a doctor, local doctor, not too good a doctor, I, might, I, I wouldn't recommend going to him, and... and he said to me, I needed a checkup, so I went for a checkup. I'm one of these people that believe medicine's good enough to check out. If you think you've got something wrong, or there's a likelihood you have something wrong, don't worry about it, get it checked out. If there's nothing wrong, who cares? If there's something wrong, fix it. Now, God can heal you, but for goodness sake, and I make this plain to everyone here, Use every medical means to fight disease. I hate it. I don't think it's the will of God for anyone to be sick. And I will use every means to get rid of any disease. I believe in it. I'll also use prayer. I see miracle after miracle. Jesus Christ heals today the same as he did 2,000 years ago. But um, they told me that they thought I had a, a problem with my heart. 
Now, as you only have one heart and it's rather essential to your well-being, I thought, I'd better check this out. So I went to the hospital for nuclear... <laughs> Boom! Well... <laughs> nuclear medicine in London I, and had, had some checks and they said, there's something wrong with your muscles in your heart. So then I went to Cambridge, to, to Cambridge Lee Hospital and went and saw a chap called Shapiro, who is nothing to do with Helen Shapiro, um, but he, and had a, uh, uh, whatever it's called, anyway, with a cath, no, angiogram, with, um, I, and they, they looked into my heart, and I could sit and watch it on television. So if you've never seen your heart on television, go and have a look. And what they did, they stuck a tube through your leg up into your heart. And then they could put dyes in and all your arteries, main arteries, and all the arteries to your heart, you could see them first at the front, then at the back, then at the side. And there I was and lying there. And then they put another injection in. You get a hot flush with this injection. Very exciting. <laughs> and the nurse said to me, she said, before I went in there, she said, look, when they give you that injection, you're going to feel as though you've wet yourself, but don't worry, you haven't. <laughs> but when you think you have, very difficult not to put your hand there and see if you have or not. <laughs> Any <laughs> anyway, so <laughs> they gave me this, and sure enough, a hot flush time went through your body. And, I mean, it was like, um, for those who are uninitiated, about seven double brandies going in at once. I didn't know they could do it in an injection in 30 seconds, otherwise I'd never have touched alcohol in my life. But not that I do drink that stuff now, it's filthy stuff, and it'll destroy you. But there I was, lying there, and I looked, and they could see my heart beating. And the chap who, who's a one of the top heart specialists, he said, he said to me, he said, well, if I get to 53 and have a heart and arteries in the condition you've got them in, I'll be a happy man. He said, you have a perfect heart and perfect arteries. I said, thank you very much. He said, in fact, he said, I shouldn't say this to you, but he said, it doesn't matter what diet you eat, He said it. <laughs> it doesn't matter how you live. He said, with a heart like that, you'll never suffer from a heart attack or from anything. With a heart like that, an arteries like that, as clear as that, he said, you'll have no problems all your life. If you've got a 53 and you're in that good a condition, he said, you'll never have problems. And I said, oh, hallelujah, Jesus. <laughs> This I like. You know, my wife didn't like the news. She loved the news that I was well. It was the diet bit she didn't like. Said, so, you know, I shouldn't tell you that, probably, he said, but I, I think you ought to know that that's the truth. So, so, so I, I had to go all that way to have my heart checked up so my wife wouldn't put me on a diet. God works in mysterious ways, his wonders, to perform. You say, well, if you're a man of faith, why do you go? I'll tell you why I go, because I'm no fool. Why not? If, if something's wrong, find out what it is, fix it. I find so many people die unnecessarily because they're frightened to find out what's wrong with them. Hey, you're better off dealing with the situation and getting it put right rather than fuffing around. And for goodness sake, take my advice. If you want to live long, look after your body, but don't think if something goes wrong 
that somehow you shouldn't go to the best person, find the best person, you've a right to the best doctor, the best hospital, and don't go to Harrow Wood or Old Church. <laughs> go to proper doctors. Um, go, to, go to specialist units. If you've got cancer, don't go to a local hospital. They might have a cancer You know, I want to tell you, there are specialist units. Centers of excellence, go there. Get the top advice. If you've got something wrong with any part of you, if you've got heart trouble, for goodness sake, don't go to a local hospital. They might have a cardiac unit, but go to somewhere where they've got the best. Believe me, you have a right. You've only got one life, one body. Fight for life. Amen? I'm not against medicine. <laughs> yeah, I believe Jesus heals. I've seen him do so many miracles. But I tell you this, I believe and practice what I preach. I go. I went up to Cambridge because, hey, now someone offered to do it in London. local fellow from a uh, town nearby offered to do it, and I, I found out he does 20 catheterizations a year. That's not the guy I want. Give me someone who does four or five hundred a year. Give me someone who knows what he's doing. You go and you get operated on by a general surgeon and you don't realize why risk your life with a general surgeon when you can get a specialist who deals with one thing. If I've got something wrong with a car, one thing I don't go to is a cranky mechanic who does it in his back garage. I go to someone who knows. <laughs> My body's more important than a car. So's yours. Life is to be fought for, and we go always for the best. Amen? In your business, in your work, in your home, don't let anyone put you off with second best in anything. Fight for what's right. Fight for what's good. So now, praise God. You know, my wife said to me, she said, well, dear, um, you better count these fatty foods out of your diet. You know, no more Kentucky Fried Chicken. It was a blow to my heart. But it's been revived. Uh, Big Macs. You know, good food. There, there, there's something, it's awful. There's a lot of people who think if you're a vegetarian, you'll be healthy. You won't be healthy, you'll be stupid. Let me tell you that. It's a doctrine of demons. And it destroys. There's certain uh, vitamins you can't absorb naturally. You'll never get them from vegetables. A lot of people get trapped with vegetarianism. The Bible says in Timothy, it's a doctrine of demons and devils. It's like some people won't drink Coca-Cola. It's against their religion. I think it was the Mormons wouldn't drink Coca-Cola until they bought the firm Pepsi-Cola with their money, and now they own it. They change their doctrine. And that's the way it is. False things. Let's make it quite plain. Jesus Christ gave us all things richly to enjoy. Food is never poison. If you've got something wrong with your system, get it fixed. Here was a, a Huguenot, one of the first who realized it's best to diagnose what's wrong with a man. There's nothing wrong with diagnosis. Find out what's wrong. Know what you're dealing with, then deal with it. Prayer, by all means, you need prayer. God can heal. But also fight disease with everything else. Don't just be one of these people, oh, I'm believing God to heal me. Hey, just a minute, there's medicine and God can use the hands of a doctor and the brains of a doctor just as well as he can a miracle. Don't go cranky. I find some people who are claiming they're healing and standing on a scripture, you can die that way. God does a miracle for you, it works. A miracle's a miracle. But if God doesn't, use every means. Amen? I want to emphasize that very plainly. If I'd found there was something wrong with my heart, I'd probably have had to have adjusted my diet, and I'd have gotten them to fix it, because your heart's only a mechanical pump. That's all. If you've got to fix bits of it, 
got a leaky valve or something, well, get it fixed. They can fix it these days. Uh, it's as simple as that. If the carburetor in your car doesn't work, you get it fixed, don't you? Well, don't you? You don't leave your car in, in the thing and say, well, I better not drive it because the carburetor's causing problems. Think, let's get it fixed and we can use it. Same with your body. Whatever it is, get it fixed. Amen? So here we had the first one. And... Um, Then, in 1673, we had a man called Hugh Chamberlain. And what he was, he was the first midwife, <laughs> Hugh it was, um, he was the first midwife, he bought him mid midwifery. And as I said, he, he developed his own, his family developed their own way of making forceps for deliveries of babies. So people, they used to use hooks and levers to get babies out, and kill both the baby and the mother. And this man developed a whole way of doing it, but he was thrown out of Paris, and so, thank God, in England, we could save many babies and many children's lives, because instead of sticking hooks in and trying to pull it out of the womb with a hook and a grappling iron, they realized forceps were quite useful. Terrible, isn't it? And uh, then, in six, between 1647, you'll need to know these. You've got them in your notes, too. Between 1647 and uh, 1712, there was another man who came in, and he invented a thing called a pressure cooker. Do you know, it was the Huguenots. If you've got a pressure cooker at home, you can thank the Huguenots for inventing it. A long time ago, pressure cooker cooking. Um, there was a man called John Howe. Oh, well, anyway, <laughs> that was his Christian name. And, and he was the first one to invent air conditioning. And they used it in the House of Commons. And you start looking, and you go down um, the list. The, um, John Doland um, invented the telescope. Um, and they invented printing. They made the original engravings to print books and print pictures. Um, and you, you can just look through any Huguenot list, and you'll find... All the things, they became printers, paper makers, booksellers, binders. They also became gun makers. They developed the most um, sophisticated form of weaponry. And these were Christians. There was something in their mind, their thinking, their industry. They needed guns to shoot Louis XIV. They also invented um, clocks. They were watchmakers, jewelers. And all that kind of thing came over to Britain. And Britain's Industrial Revolution was brought about by these men who were expelled because of their faith in Christ. They threw them out. And, and that is one of the things you have to understand, that anyone that succeeds and is really successful and has faith in God will always come to the top. And when they succeed, they'll be hated. There's nothing that people hate more than success. Britain has a way of trying to pull down anyone that's successful. America has a way of pulling down anyone that's successful. Anywhere in the world, if someone's successful, you see someone with a nice car, must be fiddling his tax. Why should he be fiddling his tax? He's bought a nice car because he won the lottery. Um, or he was the boyfriend of Elton John. Um, but I just bought his fellow uh, Aston Martin. But the, the, the thing is, 
One of the remarks someone made, they walked past our, our place, they looked in the car park and said, look, you know, you people, you're all rich, you're all successful. Yes, but we have Jesus as our Savior and Lord, and God causes his children to prosper. God's on our side. God does not love poverty, and God does not love failure. Christianity is not for people who want to fail in life. Never was. What has happened is the demonic kind of teachings of Catholicism that came in with Francis of Assisi and all those, somehow they make poverty a virtue. It isn't. Poverty is evil. And the Huguenots were driven out because Louis XIV couldn't stand the fact that all the true Christians were just being blessed by God, their minds, their imagination, their hearts were fired, and somehow they excelled in everything. And that rotten germ in people called jealousy and envy worked. Hitler did exactly the same. He worked on the premise for that evil Nazi regime of saying, there you are, it's the Jewish people that are successful. Yeah, they are, because they teach their children a trade, they teach their children how to work, they teach their children a work ethic, because they're biblically based, and they begin to succeed. And society doesn't like it. And Hitler said, if we get rid of the Jews, we'll have all their money. You might have their money, but you won't have their industry. Same with Mao Zedong. He looked at the Christians and he said, let's get rid of God out of society. Let's murder the Christians. Let's kill the intelligentsia and we'll all be rich. And they all became poor. They killed off the creativity in society. It always happens. But Jesus Christ... Whenever he moves in a church, the one thing that comes alive within people is a determination to excel in everything. They educate their children better than anyone else. They bring up their families better than everyone else. Divorce isn't part of their culture. Their kids being rebellious isn't part of their culture. They bring up in a basis of morality and hope and faith and love, their kids to fear God and to live right and to excel. And what happens? They change from whatever class they come in to, to people that work. And it transforms society. This is what transformed Britain. People who came, the early Methodists, when Whitfield and Wesley went out amongst them and preached and people came to Christ, I'll tell you what happened. Society got transformed. There was no revolution. The French Revolution went on in France. It didn't come on in Britain. They didn't try and kill off the intelligentsia. I'll tell you why. Because God met their hearts and they said, hey, if someone else can succeed, so can I. And God is on my side. And that's part of what society should be. You find over in, in um, Uganda in 1975, one of the things that Idi Amin couldn't stand was the fact that he was a Muslim, evil man. But he looked at the Asians who were industrious and worked, and most of them Christians, and he looked at them and he said, just a minute. He said, if we get rid of them, we'll be wealthy. Now, Uganda is a virtually a desert, beautiful, fertile country, but it's been wracked by war. Why? Because all the industrious people, the people who really cared, the people who, who really could take the place somewhere, they were all thrown out or butchered by the evil Muslims of one tribe who decided they were going to rule and terrorize people. And they threw out all the people who were business people and they put their own people in and they thought that they could run the country and they bankrupted it. And it's been bankrupt ever since and its education system's bankrupt. Everything's bankrupt. And they murdered the Christians. Any nation that does that brings a curse on itself. If you take away the best in society, 
you're only going to be left with the dregs, aren't you? Hmm? You see, there are principles in God. Follow them, and you'll, you'll always rise to the top. God will be on your side. I'm a great believer in success. The Bible says, in Joshua, God wants us to have good success. What he doesn't want us to have is failure. Second best is not good enough. If children have that attitude, things would change. They also set up commerce in cities. They, they began to set up centers of commerce where people traded. And they were the ones in Britain who came with architecture. They made the furniture and woodwork, sculpture, ceramics, and brought over the silk industry and the cotton industry. And the whole of our nation changed because Christians came. And do understand, wherever a church is, the thing you will always see, if it's a true church of Jesus Christ, and um, by a true church of Jesus Christ, one that believes not only that Jesus is the Son of God, but God, very God of very God. If you find a church that believes, um, and one that doesn't believe in the Virgin Mary being a virgin, Jesus had brothers and sisters. One that realizes that Jesus rose from the dead in bodily form. The tenets of the Christian faith truly taught, truly believe that morality is morality. Immorality is immorality. A church where the word of God is preached without compromise, those people become the most creative and industrious people in any society. They change everything. That's what happened in France, so the Catholics threw them out. That's what happened in Spain, so Philip of Spain threw them out. And today, and since that time, France has never seen a revival. Never. Since that time, Spain has never seen a revival. One thing I don't like is being part of the European community, whatever that is, because I don't want their hellish doctrines over here. You look at the south of Ireland, the Catholic community, hate the Protestants. You look over there and see what poverty it brings. You look over in Spain. Look over in Portugal. Where they reject the truths of God, and where they reject the people of God, they bring poverty on themselves. Go over to South America and look. Poverty. You've never seen anything like it. The slums in Brazil or Buenos Aires. People living in cardboard shacks. Tremendous wealth and tremendous poverty. Corruptions right throughout society because people's hearts haven't been changed. Thank God we had a Christian heritage. Amen? And the whole of our society, our laws, our parliament, everything was based with Christian principles. Basically, over the last 30 years, they've been tearing down the Christian fabric of our society. And it's wrong. Because that's what's kept us. We're a Christian nation. I want us to remain a Christian nation. We're not a multicultural nation. People want to come and live here, fine. We're Christians. If you want to live here, be a Christian. If you don't want to be a Christian, go to where you worship your heathen gods, not here. That's my view. As far as I'm concerned, we shouldn't allow mosques. You go over to their country and try and put up a Christian church. You're in prison. We allow them here to practice their filth it's wrong that's what made our nation different that's what brought industry brought everything to us don't let us throw away our heritage I don't want to be like Spain certainly don't want to be like China where one half of the population don't even get an education when they're four years old, they're put to work in the fields in the country. 
from four years old upwards. That's all they do. They're not educated. You don't want that, do you? Go over to Spain. Lots of them are still uneducated. Go to the villages. The priest still terrorizes the people. They still stone Christians who choose to, to witness in the streets. In Belgium, it was illegal up to 1953 for an individual to own his own Bible. It was against the law. I don't know why people are so keen to join with them. I'm not. I thank God for the heritage God gave us, don't you? <laughs> and it all came from people called the Huguenots. What a tremendous blessing they were to us. Britain became Great Britain. We ended up sending missionaries to all over the world, to Africa, to China, all over the world. We sent out more missionaries into the world than any other nation. Why? Because God got hold of people's lives. We've had more revivals in this nation than any other nation's had. We've had more moves of God than any other nation. Let's keep it that way. Let people know, hey. And that's why I'm so keen. We've got a school. I'm keen on the best education. Every one of our children, university, want a qualification. We want the best. Hey, it's a future generation. Future generation doesn't want to be thick. It wants to be intelligent. I hate it when I hear Pentecostals or Charismatics say, oh, all you need to do is be filled with the Holy Ghost. It doesn't matter about your education. It jolly well does matter. You don't have a right to a job. You need to earn the right to a job. You don't have a right to a living. You earn the right to it. You've got to contribute to society, not take from it. You've got to be salt in the earth, not someone who just sucks up other people's work. You've got to be one who's diligent and excels in everything, not someone who's a ponce. People are unemployed because they won't work. God intends us to excel in everything we do. Amen? And if 10,000 10, fall at our side, he says it won't come nigh you. God's on our side. But he's not on our side if we sit back, fold our arms, and do nothing. He says, a little folding the arms, a little sitting down, poverty comes. It's time to rise up and be diligent, be the best. Excel at everything. That's what the Huguenots were like. They were so creative. If they found they needed weapons, they created weapons, guns. They were the best guns. They wanted to tell the time because they had to get up in the morning, not wait for the sun to come up. They made wristwatches. There was something about them that was just diligent. They valued time. They valued everything. They wanted the best clothes, the best silks. They made them. They wanted the best of health care. They studied. They wanted the best of everything. They studied. They wanted the best um, education. They opened their own schools. There was such a diligence to have the best of everything in life that these people changed Europe. And the greatest blessing we ever had was Louis XIV who threw them all out because a lot of them came over here and bought the best with them and changed our society. And... Even today, you might not know this, there's a chapel in the Canterbury Cathedral, which is a Huguenot chapel in Canterbury Cathedral, still today. And God used that whole nation to bring about revival in our nation. When a people of God begin to live together, work together, there comes a strength of a togetherness which causes success. And I'm for that. If God is in our midst, and so he is, then we should expect blessing 
We should expect help. We should expect God always to be on our side. And because we care for one another, we're there to lift each other up. The thing about society is it's dog eat dog. The thing about Christians is it's love and faith that works by love. And so it becomes a society within a society, a light set up that says, hey, and then people say, what causes those people to excel? Aha, they're Christian. What causes those people to always rise up? Ah, they're Christian. What causes them to live the way they do? They're Christians. They're distinctive people. That was the thing that Louis XIV was so bugged by, these Huguenots. <laughs> South Africa and the whole of the development of South Africa was really the expulsion of the Huguenots. They made out of a wilderness and a a terrorized land, they made a good land and a wealthy land. They developed the land. It'll soon be destroyed, but they did develop it. Because tribe will fight tribe. But my, did they develop it? Did they use the resources? And they worked. They built. And wherever they've gone and they've touched a nation, they changed the nation. And for us, as Christians, we need to know part of our heritage, the printing, the engravings, the books we have, everything that came, came from a people who were persecuted for their faith, called the Huguenots. Some went off to America, South Africa, and they, they took with them a fire. They took with them a zeal. They took with them a manner of life. And anywhere where Jesus Christ begins to work, those things will become apparent. Care for the children, care for the children's education, care for business, care for excelling. Determination, a joining together, a lifting up, a determination to build, a determination to be different and excel. Those things are essential. Any church anywhere in the world should always be marked by those things. That's a normal church. I'm talking about a Christian one. Not a pagan temple where they have, you know, seven El Marys and all that rubbish. But a real church where not a cult. That's not a church, JWs, wandering around, disturbing people at home. They don't believe in Jesus as God. Not these people like the Christadelphians. No, where people have faith in the true basis of Jesus Christ as a Savior, as a Lord, as a King, as God, very God of very God, the Holy Spirit, the one who comes in it quickens our beings and faith in God the Father and a sense of being one in a family because a church, a true church, is a big family. I don't earn my salvation. I'm born into it by Jesus Christ. Born again of God's Spirit. And what a wonderful thing. And when you look back and you think, how those Huguenots, true Christians, came and gave us life, changed our nation. They're wonderful people. God wants you to be like that. Instead of being a blot on society, be a blessing. Instead of being a minus, be a plus. Wherever you are, whatever you do. Whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might. When you're part of a, the church, be one who is a contributor, not someone who's a taker. One who wants everything to exceed in itself, not someone who's just out for himself. Christ came that we laid down our lives one for another. Greater love hath no man than this, that he lay down his life for his friend. It's not a doctrine, it's a way of life. The whole life given over 
to exalting Jesus Christ, lifting him up, and living for him in everything you do, and for your family, your home, that somehow reflected in it is the tenets of the Christian faith that make us different. The same thing happened at Hernhut with the Moravians. They became a diligent people, a set-apart people. They became a society within a society, but oh, such a light. And they sent more missionaries out all over the world. And God used them for 120 years. They were influential. That's how the Methodist revival came. Understand, that's what God always does. He raises up a group of people, and they get together, and God is in their midst, and suddenly it's different. Suddenly they excel. One thing I do want to point out is that in any church, the one thing that's most important is freedom. Churches should never control people's lives. When elders control people's lives, it's a cult. When ministers control people's lives, it's a cult. The one thing about true Christianity is it sets people free. Free to come, free to go. Door opens both ways, inwards and outwards. I hate it when I find people are pursued, you know, are you a member, have you this, have you that? That's not what Christianity is about. It's liberating people, setting people free. It's taking off the chains, not trying to bind them into something. The only way you could ever be a Christian is if God meets you inside. The only way you can live a Christian life is if Jesus Christ lives in you. And the only way you become part of the family is when you're born into the family, born again from above by the Spirit of God. Then you become part of the family. But the control, and the only control you have, is the Spirit of God within. The preaching of the Word encourages you, exhorts you, challenges you, convicts you. But in the end, you make your own choices. It's your life. In the end, you answer for the way you live. You answer to God. No one else has to answer for you. You can't blame anyone else. What you are today is what, that, is what you want to be. The way you live is the way you choose to live. You can choose to change, and Jesus Christ comes with power to change you. But that's your choice. You cannot compel a person into Christianity. Calvin tried it and started burning people at the stake when he found they wouldn't conform. You cannot conform a person to Christ. They have to willingly turn. You can't compel a person to do right. It's got to come from inside them. In the end, it's your will and your choice. That's what makes a difference in life. You choose, I want to be what God wants me to be. I want to live the way God wants me to live. I want to excel in the way God wants me to excel. I want my family to be right. I want everything to go God's way. And when you live that way, it's tremendous liberating freedom. Not a bondage. You're free. And that is the most distinguishing mark of Christians. Tremendous freedom. There is in God. You shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. And that means you're not bound to anything. I worry when people are bound to a church. Not bound to a church, you're bound to Jesus Christ. You're bound to the brethren you love and care for and would lay down your life for, but not to a church. You're bound to a family because you're part of a family if you've been born into the family. If you're not born into the family, you don't belong. It's all to do with choice. It's all to do with freedom. Amen? And the Huguenots knew that freedom. Uh, when Louis XIV tried to kill them off, they scattered abroad and thanked God for them. So endeth the Huguenots. But they're still alive. 
find if you go over to South Africa. I, I have to meet people. They say, oh, I came from the Huguenot stock. Mary came from South Africa. Her four bears, or looking at her, she probably had six bears. Um, they were Huguenots. Lois came with Huguenot stock. You can go back in your life history and realize, hey, that's where I came from. It's part of my heritage. Part of our, our nation's heritage is a Christian faith. Faith in Christ, faith in God. And it should always challenge you. Not in a condemnatory way, but in a way to say, hey, let's build again what God said we could build. Let's do again the things God said we can do. Let's be salt in the earth. People will get angry. They always do. If you see someone successful, think, oh, rather than trying to pull them down, why not say, hey, if they can do it, I can do it. One thing I learned long ago, you visit churches, pastors visit churches. And a lot of them, when they visit, the thing that works in them is envy. They see the school, they see the buildings, they see the property, and they don't think, well, if someone like him could do it, then God could use me to do the same thing. They look at it, and they try and pull it down because they're failures. The man that succeeds in life is the man that doesn't get condemned by other success, but gets challenged by it and says, hey, if God can do it for one, he can do it for me. If God could make the Huguenots such a value in society, I can be like them. I have the same spirit, have the same life. If God can choose a man and use a man like that in history, hey, I'm here. Now, if you take that kind of attitude, you never get despondent. When I went over to Africa first time, we're off there uh, next week, back to Benin. But when I went to Africa first time, and I went in the church and saw about 30,000, I suppose, people crowding on a Sunday morning, uh, and saw a, a choir of over 1,000, and heard their voices, and saw the music, saw the things, it didn't depress me, nor did it make me want to find fault. My heart said, well, if he can do it here and he can build this here, hey, we can have a choir of a hundred. Huh? In other words, to me, when I see something, it's just a challenge. It's not something that overwhelms me. I just look at it and say, right, let's start. I don't look at it and say, oh, how can we? I look at it and say, great, let's do it. And so the moment I see something that's a challenge, I put my first foot forward and say, right, that's it. If he can do it for him, he can do it for me. And that's how Christians should always be. You know, we exhort one another while it's called today. That's the way it should be. I tell you, if you live by God's principles, you'll always succeed. Live by your own principles, you'll drop down. Christians should be the straightest person on earth. Some people, you meet them, they call themselves Christians. I tell you, they're, they're more bent than a corkscrew. You go, you go near them, they can't say two words that are honest. And then they say, I don't know why God doesn't bless me. I do because he's not sure which way you turned at any second. You just go round and round like that. God wants us to have integrity. God wants us to be soul, light. God wants us to be straight. Your yea should be yea, and your nay should be nay. And whatsoever is more than that, sin. People should know where they stand with you. I hate it when I meet people who are secretive. Always got secret. You know, there's always something sinister. I wear my heart on my sleeve. If I think a man's a bum, I say he's a bum. You might not like it, but that's the truth. If a man's a bum, he's a bum. Say, so, well, that's straight. Yeah, well, I, I don't care what people think. Let me say, why not? It's what I believe. 
If a man's crooked, he's crooked. If a man's straight, he's straight. But I tell you what happened in Christendom. People won't speak out the truth anymore. They hide it and veil it. God wants us to be honest. We should speak words easy to be understood, not kind of mask them over with nice political platitudes. I, I'm a straight person. I don't like beating around a bush or hiding. If someone's that, they're that, and that's it. Take it or leave it. I don't care. God never called me to try and win you with flattery. God called me to preach the word of life, and that's it. I Straight from the shoulder, and if you don't like it, lump it. Go jump in a lake. I don't care. God, God never asked me to flatter you. That's the trouble with the church today. They want to be so nice to people. Oh, God bless you. Praise the Lord, brother. How wonderful. That's not real. The real thing is you shake people and say, hey, come on. I spoke to a, a, someone outside the Nigerian consul today, someone from Africa. He said to me, he said, oh, he said, I'm, I'm in, in the... I was in the Archbishop's church when he began. This young man said to me, oh, young, he might be 40. Um, and he said, um, I was in the Archbishop's church when he began. He said, and I, I'm a pastor in London now. You've uh, got about 100 people. Well, give or take, who knows? It's probably counted arms, legs, and toes. Um, I said to him, you've got to be straight with people. He said, no, no, you have to take it very gently with English people. I said, listen, I'm English. Don't tell me that. An Englishman needs a good kick to wake him up. He doesn't need someone patting him on the shoulder and saying, God bless you. He needs shaking. He said, it's about time you got honest. He said, well, you have to take people gently. I've never found it helps. When, when someone's sick and you take it gently with them, I'll tell you what happens, they remain sick. Shake them. Kick them. Pull them. Time to get up. Time to live. Not, oh. In the sweet by and by. Now is the time of salvation. Now is the acceptable time. Time to take a challenge, isn't it? Rather than someone say to you, oh, well, you know, may maybe, maybe not. I'm all for challenges. I challenge people. Can't stand it when there's, everyone wants it, do it gently. Why? Do it roughly. Get your results. You know what I've seen? I've seen so many people end up with nothing because no one was prepared to shake them up, challenge them. I'm always prepared to go for it. Why not? It's the way God wants it to be, isn't it? Jesus always shook people up. Never beat around the bush. Hit them head on. Glory to God. A lot of people that always try to miss the mark, I try to hit it. Always try to, you know, hide things. You know, let's go for it. Hmm. Something in me that always stirs the right thing, the right way. Huh? Stirs you like that, does it? That's good. Yeah, I, I always find there's societies full of milk sops. People, oh, oh, maybe God will, maybe God won't. I'll have to pray it through. Through what? A fog? I'll have to think about it. Why? God says it, do it. 
get on with it. You don't ever succeed in anything in life by sitting down and thinking about it. You succeed by getting up and doing it. Amen? Such was the Huguenots. Anyway, that's Friday night. Sunday morning, I'll pray for the sick individually. But tonight, let's all stand. I'll pray for you. It's God's hand you need touching you. It's God's hand you need touching you, not mine. And he's everywhere. And I'll pray and God will touch you. From this day, it'll be different. Time to change. His time. If you put in a prayer request, I'm going to lift them up to the Lord. He knows every need you have. We've seen so many people God has met. If you want to go away with a miracle tonight, it's yours. Simple as that. And if you don't believe it, I do. God does. And we're the majority. So that's the end of it. Okay? Let's lift up our hands to heaven. Father, we just lift these prayer requests to thee. Lord Jesus, I thank you in your name. There's no power in heaven or earth that can stand against it. In the name of Jesus Christ, I curse every disease, every affliction in the bodies of those here. Lord, break the power of these diseases. Loose the fetters from this day. Let your healing power flow into their bodies, their minds, their hearts, in Jesus' name. From this day, let us hear a good report of the good things you've done. Lord, loose the fetters. Let the power of God flow through them. Lord, let every symptom and every power be broken, every yoke loosed this night. In Jesus' name. Amen? And so shall it be. Glory to God. Do sit down.